Geek Top 5 Quarantine Edition. Yay! It was time now. There was was all the time I needed. Geek Top 5. I'm Jesse. I'm Graham. And we are back, and it is, well, it's a little past it now, but it was May 4th. It was Star Wars Day. May the 4th be with you. And then, of course, Revenge of the 5th and Revenge of the 6th, because always two there are. Oh, huh? boy. Huh? <laughs> and, and also, this is the May. Yep, this is the May. That's a good one. Look, it's Star Wars time. <laughs> it, uh, and unfortunately, because of current circumstances, they didn't have a ton of new stuff to announce. But uh, we are going to jump onto the bandwagon and do a Star Wars list. We've got a special guest here. We're going to introduce him in just a moment. But just to allay your uh, look, we're we're doing something special today. We are bringing it back. We're doing it straight to how Star Wars got started. Episode one. This is our dueling lists of the top five Outer Rim trade taxation mandates. <laughs> Right. The thing that made the prequels great. We're talking politics. We're talking economics. We're talking shipping lanes and quotas and pro- all the things that people love about Star Wars here today on Geek Top 5. Uh, right? Love? I, I'm going to have to do some more research. I didn't, I didn't get the memo. Uh, what did you guys bring? <laughs> I've got top five power converters from Tashi Station. Oh, you can waste time with your friends later, Graham. <laughs> Zing. <laughs> All right, we'll tell uh, you what. Let's mainstream it a little. Back. I suppose there's other things people like about Star Wars. We could do what? Uh... Well, I don't know. What about what? What about top five villains? Hey, there oh, we go. I just That's happen to have idea. a list here. <laughs> It's it's not as fascinating. It doesn't throw the Republic Senate into turmoil like a good trade blockade would do. But I think people in dark cloaks with red laser swords, eh, people seem to like that stuff, right? Uh, well, I guess we'll find out. <laughs> yeah, we'll check the downloads on this episode. Um, I love that joke. I'm going to keep it keep it up for the whole episode. No, no, it's fine. Let's <laughs> let's move on. Bloody prequels. Uh, joining us, we have special guest, uh, r- frequent friend of the show, although we haven't had a chance to bring him on lately. But just when Star Wars is in the air, this is the guy we need. Joel, sorry, Joel, is it Colesbury? Yes, it is. Colesbury, welcome back, Joel. Thanks for joining us. Always a pleasure. So. Each of us has brought our top five Star Wars villains. This is a three-way dueling list. We'll count them down five to one. Uh, probably some overlap there. When that happens, we will skip around until we get to the person who rated them the highest. And then we will browbeat the other person for their failure to properly recognize the great villain. But uh, I think this will be a good opportunity to take a look at some of the, uh, well, I mean, you know, heroes are always fun. But when you look at the merchandise that people are buying for Star Wars, a lot of people buying that Imperial stuff. You know, not a lot of people wearing like, you know, Luke's yellow jacket. (laughs) Oh, I love that jacket. Yeah, it would be a cool jacket. It's right for the summer. Like we're coming into the right season. Black. I mean, basic black. But I mean, black is great, but basic, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'd like to like get a, a one of those Han Solo holsters, the low slung holster, but use it kind of like a like an outer wallet or or a uh, man purse of some sort. Uh, you know, no gun. I'm not. You know, I don't want to get in trouble, but keep my stuff in there. I think that'd be cool. All right, we'll have to come back for top five Star Wars fashion choices. I mean, that's there's <laughs> definitely resources in there. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right, and enough teasing the audience with all this foreplay. Let's get into it. Let's, uh, Joel, you're the special guest here. Let's start with the entry. What have you got for your number five Star Wars villain of all time? Well, I think it's very interesting, and I'm, I, I, I'd like to think that I've come up with a somewhat unique list here. So my number five pick is Durga the Hutt. Oh, Ooh, man. Bit well. of a deep cut. Durga the Hut from uh, from the um, classic uh, Kevin J. Anderson novel, um, Dark Saber. I think he made other appearances, but I, I remember that reading this book ages ago and I do I did rush through it because I was having uh, I was I wanted to get to the second Thrawn books like the, the duology. Right. that Zahn did and I had and I bought them all from Amazon and I was actually thinking today this was back when Amazon actually only sold books so it was a very different wow. world back then <laughs> who knew um <laughs> and I remember I really rushed through it but I don't know Durga the Hutt always always uh stuck with me because um made some notes here found some stuff that I uh, forgot as I was doing my reminder research but you know he was around post Endor, he he was involved in the criminal um, underworld with Shizor in the Black Sun, and after Shizor and Jabba had died, he sort of came to power within that and started the the Dark Saber project. And um, notable to me, he did kill a major, well, a major, but like a, a hero. Um, spoiler alert: If you haven't read 1995's Dark Saber by Kevin J. Anderson, uh, that's that's likely. Let's let's be fair. <laughs> <laughs> That I hope Kevin J. Anderson is not listening. Uh, <laughs> Listen, I love Kevin J. Anderson. I'm just saying Darksaber wasn't his best work. <laughs> it, it wasn't the best. But it, Durga always stuck with me. And it, it was we saw the end of Crixmate Dean there He uh, from uh, the Battle of Endor. Um, but I just like how at the, he, he just was, to me, he was just sort of like a good, silly sort of space opera villain. You know, in the end, they didn't, he was more defeated by his own ridiculousness. Like he was, he was a criminal and he tried to do a super weapon and uh, he was beaten by the fact that he was cheap and hired a crappy um, technician to build it. And the thing just didn't work in the end. And um, one of the comments that actually Anderson had made, and I I, I found this when I was reading was that the the idea was supposed to be um, an allegory for what happens when like, uh, a nuclear weapon falls into the hands of like the mob or something. And how would that play out? And that was sort of his way of thinking. And That's I don't cool. know, Durga the Hut is my number five. That is really deep for like, like what came out and like Darksaber is a very lighthearted adventure. Um, what happens when a nuclear weapon gets in the hands of the mob is sounds a lot more Tom Clancy than what that book actually turned out to be. Well, I mean, we all just say it wasn't, it wasn't Anderson's best work. But uh, <laughs> it's certainly, I don't know, it always, I've always kind of liked the huts. They've, they've just sort of tickled me a little bit. So I've always wanted a chance to talk about Durga again. Well, so my question is, what distinguishes him from Jabba? Like, are, are there any special qualities that he had that set him apart? Or, or is he just a Jabba placeholder? Well, one of the things uh, was he had a birthmark over his eye. And apparently, and again, this is more legendsy. y uh, the Huts were very superstitious people. And they, that was would have been seen as like, uh-oh, bad news. Uh, you should kill your, your kid. Like, they told his father to do that. But his father was like, 
mm, I think that you're going to do pretty good and then let him live. So, and he did end up doing pretty well. I mean, he, he took over basically a big part of um, the Black Sun and Jabba's empire. And he did finance this thing. It was pretty smart, but it was just sort of the idea that he was, that the huts are ultimately, they're criminals and they're, they run like syndicates. They're not, they can't, they don't have the resources to build a super weapon. And, and if you're going to build a super weapon, that's not the time to cut corners. And if you think about it, like, they always talked about how expensive the Death Star was. Yeah. And, but like, I mean, you know, with Jabba's like claim to fame was, you know, he had a palace, quote unquote, on a miserable little desert planet out in the middle of nowhere where he, you know, drank and ate slugs and watched people dancing. I mean, it doesn't sound like terribly a bad life, but compared to the ambition of going to build my own Death Star. Right. Like that's, you know, that's the, the, like, that's, it's a shoot for the moon. I mean, kind of literally in this case. But. <laughs> yeah. Yes. No. It, yeah. It, 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 he, it, one theme that I think will run throughout this, when I think about villains, it was sort of one of the things is hubris because a lot of, at least what I like in a villain is a lot of times they are sort of undone by their own self. If right. You will. Their own ambitions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the pivotal moment of this book, like he's going to fire the super weapon at the New Republic ships, and it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work? Nope. Yeah, and then he it. hides behind an asteroid, and, and that's a thing in Star Wars. You know, there's a lot of rhyming, you know, that thing that George Lucas is always talking about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Poor, and I'm pretty sure he's killed there, but I, I think you're right. I think he's sort of been retroactively yes. appeared in other things that take he, place before that. Yeah, yeah, he's mentioned before, but yeah, no, he he is killed in in that. It's like the asteroids blow it up. Asteroids are dangerous, man. That's well, that's anyway. Yes, that's my number five. All right, fair enough. Let's lob it over to you, Graham. What do you got? Well, my five is definitely going to be higher on probably both of your lists. So we'll just well I'll say it, and then we can move on. My five is Thrawn, Grand Admiral Thrawn. Oh, so low. Also going to trick us into repeating an episode the three of us did earlier, which was all about Grand Admiral Thrawn. Yes, Thrawn appears much higher on my list. Uh, what about you, Joel? Is I did he not on pick your list? Thrawn. Whoa. You put Huge. Durga over Thrawn? Well, but I mean, again, it's one, I did think about how we had already talked about him a lot. Good call. And two, I figured most people would pick him, so I kind of didn't, but I went with villain because I started thinking of villain versus adversary. So if we were doing oh, okay. adversary <laughs> list, because I actually did think about Thrawn, obviously, right away. But when I was thinking about villain and like the way that they said it in Star Wars, like a hive of scum and villainy, like I, it just wasn't something that Thrawn fit for me. So I didn't, I just ended okay. up not putting, I don't, that is no diss to Thrawn. No I mean, what I'm hearing is, well, record. Thrawn isn't on my list because I think he's a hero, frankly. <laughs> it says because I think he's more ambiguous than a villain. <laughs> Hashtag Thrawn did nothing Sorry. wrong. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> Oh, wow. okay. We'll, we'll get hashtag. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> we'll get yeah. deeper into that when we hit mm. Thrawn on Jesse's list. But, uh, Jesse, what's your number five? My number five, uh, there might be some overlap on your list, so let me know. Uh, I put Grand Moff Tarkin at my number five. Ah, uh, I, I have t- Grand Moff Tarkin on as my number one. Well, you shouldn't have spoiled that, but. but uh, well, uh, you. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> okay, well, we will be talking about Tarkin later then. Yeah, that'll be a spirited discussion, too. <laughs> All right, Joel, what's your 
four. My number four, I went with um, Yusain Izzard. Okay. From, I've never uh, been clear on the pronunciation of that. Yeah, and a lot of the stuff, because I, I was thinking about this when, 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 you're, when you're a kid and when I was younger reading these, I didn't know what all these consonants meant. So I, you, you put your own word in there and it sticks with you. But I, I think it, I say Yusain like Yvonne or Isain Izzard. It's hard. Yeah, I think like they call her Iceheart a lot. So yes. I, I wonder. I think the A in Isard is hard. It's hard. Uh, but they also it's call hard. her Insane Isard. So I think you've got the the. I think the Insane is right. Insane Isard. Insane yeah. Isard. That does sound very Star Warsy with the little Insane Isard. Yeah, man, this is just a fantasy sci-fi thing. They just sometimes they go nuts with the language. <laughs> like I don't think this is our fault. You know, this, no. <laughs> this is a weird word. Anyway, please Insane Isard. Yes. So if we, uh, for those of you, she was the director of uh, the Imperial Intelligence after the Galactic Civil War. We run into her in the X-Wing series, living in a super Star Destroyer buried under Coruscant, because that's a thing. Um, <laughs> but I think that I, I liked her because, again, she had that, she has this villainy stuff. She's she's ruthless. Her um, She got into the business from her father and she ended up screwing up a mission and ended up blaming it on him. And he got executed like on the spot by the emperor and they had like a thing apparently. And that's how she got the second, uh, at least in the legends, um, the Lysankia was the second superstar destroyer after the executor. I guess we should we should just say for some of our non Star Wars fans here that there's a distinction now between the books and comic books and stuff that came out before the Disney purchase. Those are now called legends Legends. and don't don't count the same way as the new books and comic books do. Formerly expanded universe, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so she was close with Palpatine and she she became a warlord on Thyfera, which is sort of one of the main things of the the X-Wing series. Um, She's a lot of the good Star Wars bad guy stuff, a little bit crazy, fails a lot, but still somehow maintains control, eventually dies, has a clone, dies again. I don't know. I always liked her. I kind of, I, I, and she had that red uniform that always stuck in my head. And I think you see that in the comics that she's in. But I remember the description of her wearing an admiral's uniform, but it was blood red instead of the white of like. Yeah, John. they're they're not shy about that. And I think because we were a little young when we started reading these books, we didn't pick up on it. But they they really leaned into like like she's a beautiful older woman with a skin tight red uniform. Mm. Yes, I was like, thinking I, about that when I was like it was I was thinking of that sep, that subreddit men writing women. Like, yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, oh man, oh oh well, that's fine. Different time. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, she I, sounds pretty cool. Yeah, I didn't have her on my list, and I, I, I hmm, no, I do think I've picked better. But yeah, she's really cool uh, as, as the antagonist for the X Wing series, and showing up also here and there. I, I like how they're always talking about how you can read her emotions through her eyes, but mm. one eye is red and one eye is blue, and so they're like you get different. Like it's written in a way to suggest almost sort of a schizophrenia thing, especially late in the character after her head injury that she's yes. not all she- there. And she did have, and she was, did have that little ambiguity as well, because she was, and now I'm getting very fuzzy, but she was, uh, helped res- rescue Jan Dodana. That's how I say it. Jan, Jan <laughs> Dodana. Um, at some point later on, I think as a clone, her clone did that okay. before she, 
I forget exactly where that was, but it was before she tries to steal back the Lysankia and dies in the end. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, that's when it's all confusing. Like, we think that she's come back, but it turns out it's a clone. But she actually has come back. She's just lost control of the clone. Yeah, well, you know, um, again, very yeah, Star, Star Wars. Star Wars. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is, she, is she one of the clones where they just double up a vowel to let you know that she's the clone? No, because the clone doesn't know it's a clone. So ah, okay. the, the clone is Isanisard until it gets bl- she gets the clone gets blown up in a in a dogfight, and then the actual Isanisard gets gunned down um, by Yellow Wasiri actually to gets get right. her revenge for her husband finally. Um, and that was very Bill po- Bringy. Yeah, yeah, when she's trying to re-steal the Lusankia mm-hmm. back after the Republic refits it. It's a very poetic death. Like, they talk about, like, it's from her perspective now. And, like, the last thing she tries to do is, like, give her give Yellow one of her famous glares. Except that she, you know, she doesn't have the energy anymore. And then it's like, and she, you know, and then finally she was never able to hurt anyone ever again. I really good. enjoyed uh, that entire series. I mean, I, over, I mean, because it, it had a few different authors. And I think it was nine total, the whole it was nine total, and very recently somebody wrote a ten, and okay. it was kind of like X Wing: The Next Generation. It's not great. What? Oh, all right. Well, uh, never mind then. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, it was kind of fun to see some of those, like, like you know, to see old face Lauren and stuff. I do remember uh, my grade nine teacher telling me that I had to stop reading Star Wars books for our like page count. We had to read, you know, nine hundred pages a year or a term or something like that. And, I don't get that. It's like if a kid wants to read, let him read. Well, exactly. Put limits yeah. on it, especially yeah. if it's the X-wing series. Right. I know. I know. Yeah. I remember trying to explain to her the Bacta War, <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> and, and, and and what exactly Bacta was. But you know, I mean, if it a miracle drug that people are going to fight over it. Huh? Yeah, Graham anyway. and I had something similar in high school. He was trying to explain the Watchmen graphic novel to a pretentious <laughs> English teacher. It didn't go well. No. Uh, they're probably all retired. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, I have number four on Joel's list. You say Nusard, the emperor. Well, hmm, almost certainly the emperor's lover and freaky, crazy, sinister, you know, evil imperial lady in her own right. Good choice, I think. All right. So mine is almost certainly not going to be on either list, but let's see. It's uh triple zero from the... Uh, not on my list, but good choice. That's a fun one. <laughs> he's uh, he's from the recent Star Wars comics. Uh, he's was introduced in Kieran Gillen and Salvador La Roca's uh, Darth Vader comics. He's basically evil C three PO. He's a protocol droid. He's got all the same programming, but he also loves to torture. And I, I find when I'm reading the books or reading the comic books, I'm reading them for yeah. the characters I'm familiar with. And it's always exciting when Han or Chewie or whoever shows up Darth Vader. It's always like that means more to me when I'm reading expanded universe stuff. So it takes a lot for an expanded universe for me. I'm not judging or anything, but I'm just saying for me, it takes a lot for one of these newer characters that are introduced in the, the comics to really click with me and this guy was so funny and so notably evil that i he became the main reason i was reading the book <laughs> he's yeah he loves to torture he's got a, a an evil r2d2 uh mirror evil mirror called bt and they they are just awful awful hilarious people 
they're very, they're very definitely written to be sort of like Darth Vader's C three PO and R two D two, right? Like they're they're the the mirror, like through a mirror darkly. Like he I also believe in Star Wars, we call that rhyme. Right, right. Yes, it <laughs> it's rhymes. That rhyming thing that George Lucas is always <laughs> talking about. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it's I mean it, it's especially fun. Like Star Wars does the the like actually evil droid maybe a little bit too much. Um, and I, I, hmm. and triple zero isn't my favorite, but my favorite, I have a Joel thing going on. I don't think it's on this list because I don't know that HK 47 is a villain, but, uh, <laughs> so he HK 47 is from the Knights of the Old Republic games. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll get into more detail about that later, but yeah, no, he, I think what makes triple zero work is that in a way he is like C3PO. He's very talkative. He overshares. Uh, he's always trying to ingratiate himself, but like instead of the conversations being about like let me help translate this thing for you, it's like, you know, did you know that this species burns at this temperature? I actually have a few quotes that I, I picked out. Hit me. We could always simply murder everyone we encounter, no matter the problem. I usually find that to be the most elegant solution. Mm-hmm. Uh, hmm. I have had more grateful masters. No, it didn't stop me killing them and draining their blood. I'm not sure what that has to do with anything. Politeness costs nothing. And leave some for me to torture. Don't you dare kill them all, you selfish little murder bucket. <laughs> I just, he's great. It's And if you hear it all in C-3PO's voice, it makes it all the funnier. See, I didn't know about, I'm, I'm looking at this now. I, I was unaware of this uh, character, oh, but it's Jewel. fairly <sighs> recent. Well, you, you were telling me about the comics recently. Oh, we could um, show you the world. Shining, <laughs> shimmering, splendid. <laughs> Wow. Well, I'll just say quickly that the the Marvel uh, when Marvel got the license to do the Star Wars comics again, especially when they first launched the titles, they put some of their best writers and artists on them, and they are really, really worth digging into. They're very good. Yeah, Marvel's Darth Vader run. Um, I think that overlaps actually with the birth of these characters, uh, like the first Darth Vader run uh, with where they also introduced Doctor Aphra. Yeah, um, and the development of Triple Zero and BT One, and for a little while they almost have it like like you know if Luke is Vader and Doctor Aphra is Han, and then Triple Zero and BT are R two and three PO. Like it's they someone someone pitched this comic as the idea like what if we did a dark side version of Star Wars? What if it was this band of plucky characters, but they were all like insane evil people? It's it it's it's a lot of fun. My goodness. <laughs> all right uh jess what's your four uh my four is also droid stuff it's just it's a little more complicated uh, and i suspect i've gotten around sharing this with you guys lists but let me know if i'm wrong uh, i've got goto at my number four no i don't even know how to spell that okay so this is going to be tricky to do quickly i'm going to try to race through most of it this is kotor 2 this is a video game from 2004 um, Goto is the crime lord du jour. Um, he's this guy uh, who's running the, I think at this time it's called the Exchange. And in defiance of the huts, he's got his own criminal network. Um, and he's got a bounty out for Jedi, which is how you get caught up in this mess. And you find out like all these other criminals hate him too, because no one's ever even seen him. Like the only way you see Goto is one of those holograms pops up out of a droid. 
So you play the game, like you're a Jedi, obviously, because it's a video game. You, you allow yourself to be captured and Goto reveals that his whole deal, like he's not just collecting Jedi because it's an evil thing to do. It's because he blames the state of the galaxy on what he describes as like interreligious conflicts between different Jedi branches. Mm-hmm. Like basically he's saying like the like the Jedi and the Sith constantly going through this ridiculous cycle is is keeps blowing up the rest of us and we're sick of it. And I'm trying to stabilize the Republic here and you Jedi and Sith need to cut it out. Which is a sort of a fun shade of gray way to portray that conflict, which is something KOTOR 2 does really well. Um, of course, I mean, he's, he's still a crime lord and he's trying to, to capture you. And so you fight your way off the ship and the ship gets blown up and the exchange gets taken apart. But he sends along one of his droids and it looks kind of like the big black orb droid from A New Hope. And it projects the Goto hologram and he's going to work with you to try and save the Republic, like to try to resolve this Jedi and Sith stuff. And you figure like, well, it's a little weird, but it's a video game. What a cool, like, it's a cool way to get a new party character, I guess. Then you start putting the pieces together. You've been like the Republic is in bad shape at this timeline. And one of the many things that's gone wrong is you heard that there's been this investiture in a super intelligent droid brain that was programmed to like, like, like use your supercomputer powers to find a way to save the Republic because it's on the brink of collapse. And you can push it in the game, and you you never get him to admit it. But it becomes very clear that Goto is actually G zero T zero. That this droid is a like Republic supercomputer that has kind of gone a little nuts and is trying to save the Republic basically by running a criminal empire. And you talk to it a lot about how it's like you know everything it's doing with its criminal activities is actually like bringing economic like growth to these sectors of the galaxy that are being ignored and he's eliminating dangerous rivals. And finally you can get him to the point where he'll admit at least that like he's, you know, he is a Patriot because he's programmed to be, but he hates the Republic, but he feels obligated to try and save it anyway, but he's breaking all the laws to do it. And just, and I just love the setup of this character, like having so many layers and it's, He's low on my list because I feel like Star Wars is at its best when it's black and white, when it's heroes versus villains. Mm-hmm. And KOTOR 2 is definitely shades of gray. And But I think this character was just so fascinating. Uh, and then it's tricky with KOTOR 2 because the game was never really finished and a lot of content was restored by fans later. Um, in the end, generally, he does turn on you regardless of what you try to do. It's an open-ended choices game, but... You know, this droid thinks it's better than you and you end up destroying it. And that's the end of that. But the description that this droid, the droid, that this droid gives you of like you magic space wizards keep messing up my galaxy. I'm trying to make this these things work, but you keep like mind powering and laser sorting things and it's driving me crazy and I'm going to do everything I can to make you stop. I thought was a really unique take that we don't see a lot. And in a way it's not very star Wars, but I thought it was super cool. I had not known about, cause I, I, I never played those games and uh, that was riveting. <laughs> it does sound like a very though, like surprisingly unexpectedly deep and layered character from a, a game 
and be a droid. Yeah, like that is a droid. Like I said, they do like bad droids a lot, but this yeah. one was different, and this one was complicated. And I'm like, I'm trying to find out now so I can announce it officially on the podcast. Like, I don't know if getting him to admit that there never was a Goto, I don't know if that ever made it to the final release of the game or if it's content that's been restored by fans. Like, I remember constantly having this argument with them, like when I, the player, figured it out and the game naturally evolved as I started asking questions, like to give me those dialogue choices, but could never quite pin him down. So that was cool. And then just his philosophy or its philosophy, I suppose, is, is fascinating. So <laughs> it requires to get more of this character. It requires playing a lot of a very old game that was never quite finished and honestly isn't too great. And it's very dated. But if you want to you like go to YouTube and type in KOTOR2 and G0-T0, there's some very interesting dialogue there. It's a cool character. Uh, if you're a Star Wars fan, even a little, and don't know anything about it, that might be a fun use of your time. He's pretty awesome. That's interesting. I've always been a little disappointed that I missed out on that because I know mostly of of the, the KOTOR, SWOTOR stuff from just more modern communities, but it's such a fundamental thing within the online community and within Star Wars, at least in my experience, that uh, I'm sad I missed out on it. <laughs> Yeah, it definitely. They, they. I think um, Revan or something was trending recently. It's just like it, the, that game has had a lasting impact in a way that a lot of games of that era don't, just because they haven't aged well. Mm -hmm. the, the graphics, like I tried playing it recently, and the interface and the graphics were a little too dated for me to be able to pick up comfortably. I'm sure if I really put my mind to it i could do it but there's you know well, a lot of other things out there yeah. Yeah. now that being said the reason revan was trending recently is because there's rumors that they're remaking the first one so mm. it's a like now the ea has been forced to give up the star wars license and everyone's yes, allowed to make star that. wars games again that's that's been it's just rumored i mean but everyone loves revan so much he's everyone's baby boy oh it's so <laughs> Also trending because someone was like, "You're not a real Star Wars fan if you don't know who that is." Oh, like well, that, yeah, and, gatekeeping yeah, horse shit is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was awful. Yeah, I don't believe in that gatekeeping bar. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway, we're in the weeds. Mm -hmm. Goto Kotor two. He's pretty cool. Um, back to you, Joel, for your Check number three. My number three is Darth Xana. So we're sort of along those. Uh, Oof. Those lines. Uh, and again, we're a little... I, I don't remember if these books... I'm pretty sure they're not canon. They're legends. Um, but she's was Darth... I have on my notes here, Darth Bane's uh, assistant. Obviously, I meant apprentice. Um, <laughs> yes. But she was like the number two in of the first rule of two. And even though... Because you think, okay, Bane. But I went with Xana because she was the one who killed Bane, right? Because that's part of the deal. And... Um, I also like it because she was succeeded by her uh, Darth Cognus and then my favorite Darth Millennial, which is just, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it was I, That meant a different thing when they named the character. It did. That. It did and, and I feel like, though, I feel like that might have influenced why she's on the list. But again, it, as I was thinking about it, um, Jesse, what you said earlier about uh, the way about men writing women, about like the way, the way that they're very. She's described in yes, okay, this is like a nineties type. Yeah, the nineties weren't great for women. It's 
I mean, neither was a lot of history, but I think the <laughs> 90s gets a pass when it really doesn't deserve one. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, but anyway, the main reasons that I took her, though, is that because because she beat Bane, um, I, I liked the whole storyline with her. Um, I liked that she had the sorcery, so that tied it into, again, the rhyme of the uh <laughs> with the night sisters and now i don't i know that they weren't really like she wasn't a night sister but ultimately right when she defeated bane um because they dueled a few times uh and and he would always be goading her being like you know it's time for you to take me out that's how this is supposed to work and she'd corner him but she could never fully kill him and she was only able to um get him by using her sorcer- uh, her sorcery in the end um or her little magic but um i don't know i thought she was uh simply because she took out bane and and was the, really got that whole rule of two going okay so explain i darth bane to me like i'm i i know a lot about star wars from you know the movies uh bane i know is, is i think he's mentioned in the movies but give me more about him what's his deal well uh darth bane was around the uh well, i think it's around the same time that your go-to is from if we're talking about four thousand years before the battle of yavin bane would, bane would be a little earlier no a thousand, but... a thousand. he'd be a thousand or yeah, so maybe he's a little I didn't, later. I I didn't brush up on Bane because I didn't pick him. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that that was around a thousand years ago, right? That was with the last big Sith Jedi war, and that basically Palpatine was the culmination of the plan that the thousand year plan that Bane put in. Okay, yeah. So Bane is like the architect of the bad guys as we know them right now. Um, not mentioned in the movies, but he gets a canon mention in the Clone Wars cartoon. Yes, that uh, brought him into canon. These yeah. books, though, are from before that. Yeah, um, yeah all this stuff is legends. Yeah. So, um, but I, I again, I, I liked her. I thought she was a, beyond the description, I just thought she was a, a good character. I, I always like from the, the alternate view. Uh, like that it was especially when they were telling it more from her from her side of things so that's cool i mean it makes me want to check her out i don't i don't think i'd ever even heard of her darth Zana. oh man it's cool all right well my number three is uh darth maul my number three is also ball although i very <laughs> specifically left out the darth ah <laughs> Ah. Okay, well, let me give well, my... Hold on, what did, Joel, does he show up on your list? No, he doesn't. I was going to do that, but then I went with Xana to be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> interesting definitely works. I'll do I'll do a, a brief rundown for my sake, and then uh, let Jesse take over with the details. But, you know, Darth Maul first appeared in the advertising for uh, episode one, The Phantom Menace. And I think immediately everyone thought this guy is the coolest ever. He had a double sided lightsaber. He had spikes on his head. He was black and red and he just looked angry and mean. And then he has two lines of dialogue in the movie and is cut in half. And and oh, he kills Qui-Gon Jinn, which I guess is, is a big deal. But I mean, you uh, kill Liam Neeson like that's, you know, well. Yeah. 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 Going to get taken. So he he gets he gets dispatched relatively easily ultimately. Like there's a great fight scene with him, a couple of great fight scenes with him. And but he he just ultimately didn't have a lasting He's- impact on people's memory 
once they'd seen the movie. Yeah, I think he was most famous for the song, right? Like, he, like Duel of the Fates plays when they fight Darth Maul, and that's right. Yeah, if he had, if he didn't have such a great soundtrack, like so much of Star Wars, it would have been very forgettable. I remember feeling that uh, that build up um, uh, that you mentioned, and but then being like feeling like he didn't ultimately deliver it was like all it was all icing and then there ended yeah. up being no 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 i was gonna say meat but that doesn't make sense. no cake right yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I think we've mentioned this before but i mean one of the many things they blew about phantom menace is the reveal of the double-sided lightsaber that that should not have been in the trailer that should have been revealed to people watching the movie that like the, the theaters would have gone nuts yeah that was that was a big that was odd. It, it, now that you, I remember you. We, we have talked about this, but yeah. why? Why? Huh. Yeah. So, so after that, it was you know he popped up in some comic books, he popped up in some novels, but nothing really notable, nothing that redeemed the character. And then they gave him this whole character arc in the Clone Wars and Rebels series, where he's voiced by Sam Witwer. And my God, that performance does the Lord's work. I, I, the writing is fine, but something about his performance as Maul is incredible. He, I was watching some clips earlier, and there was a scene with him and his brother, whose name I can't yeah. remember. Is, is yeah, his brother Kilbic Bad Guy. The bad. Yeah. No, no, his actual. No, he has an actual real name. His name is Savage Oppress. Yes, I, I, I think kill person McBad guy is, is fine. <laughs> I do like that better. Yeah. So I think he's voiced by Clancy Brown, who's an actor who I normally love. But listening to their their back and forth, it was like someone reading a script versus someone giving the most passionate Broadway performance I've ever heard. Yeah, Cl- he- Clancy Brown is not invested into kill person McBad guy. That's the- <laughs> but Sam Witwer gives a thousand percent. Sorry, I keep cutting you off. Please, continue. that's okay. I mean, I, that's what does it. it he's he's he. It turns out uh, when he was cut in half, it didn't kill him. He he was grafted to this weird spider body legs that are eventually turned into slightly more normal legs. But he's he's like a cyborg, as so many Star Wars characters end up becoming. But he is so filled with hatred and and wants revenge against Obi Wan Kenobi for cutting him in half. It's he's so passionate about it, which is not something that I think was super common with star Wars villains up to this point. Like the Sith are all, they have evil laughs and whatever, and they kill people, but they're, they're cold. That's their thing. But Maul in this stuff is just so angry. It makes him very, a very interesting character. And then he goes almost the other way when he first appears in rebels, where he's, He's so subdued, you don't even know it's him at first, and he's he just quietly seduces Ezra towards the dark side. Ah, oh, so great! That All is, down to the performance. That is wonderful. They do basically a dark mirror of Empire, where Luke doesn't know he's talking to Yoda. They have Ezra doesn't know he's talking to Maul, and it's shot the same, and the lead is the same. It but rhymes. Maul is it rhymes, <laughs> but but Maul is clearly doing. A dark side thing, you know, like, like giving little dark side advice. And like he even quote, like some of those things he says are quotes from the Code of the Sith that like mm-hmm. hardcore Star Wars dorks like us immediately pick up on. <laughs> so so t- tell us why you're not calling him Darth Maul. 
Oh yeah, I mean, for pretty much for the reasons you described, like the like the character clearly spells out to like in Rebels, he says like you know once Darth, now just Maul. Like I'm my own person now, and I see that as a very separate character from the character in the Phantom Menace. The character in the Phantom Menace is is was like he's an action figure commercial. Like the same way Boba Fett used to be, the same way Captain Phasma mm-hmm. was. Like they they look cool, and the other characters tell us they're badass, even though they don't actually do anything badass. And then they're disposed of to make room for real characters. You know, nobody thought Darth Maul was really cool after the end of the prequels. Like it, but then Maul in the cartoons, arguably in the comics, but in the cartoons is phenomenal. The when Clone Wars was brought back for season seven, they made like they added a season on the end of it just to wrap it up. Maul plays a huge part in that, and his arc is mostly that like he knows Order 66 is coming. He doesn't know what it is, but he's having these force visions, and he knows that Palpatine's plan is about to come to fruition, and he's desperately trying to stop it. Not because he's a good guy, like because he, you know, he wants power for himself, but he's losing it. Like he's when they finally capture him, like, and he just starts screaming to all the troopers, you know, we're all going to die. Like, like he sounds like a crazy person. And the, and again, it's all in the performance. And then you carry it on into rebels you know, years and years later. And where he finally has his final showdown with old, you know, Ala Alec Guinness, Obi-Wan Kenobi. And it's decades of these characters interaction built up. And that duel is super important the way it's done. I, I think we've talked about it on the show before, but like it, it carries so much weight in such a short period of time. And it is one of the most cinematic moments in all of Star Wars, I think. Yeah, they really they really hit it on the head with that. I <laughs> uh and, and I I I suspected that's why you dropped the Darth. And and cuz I also look at that it even still kind of ties in a little bit with the legend side because one of the things with Darth Bane and and Xana was when they decided to use Darth and it was like a an homage to tradition and uh the fact that he's going against that tradition and doing his own thing, but he really did get a lot darker and, or a lot deeper. And uh, I, I, I would agree that Darth Maul is separate from Maul. Yeah. I think like, we're all, I, I see how that, way. how that makes sense. Fascinating. Uh, do you wanna, Fascinating. Any, any commentary on why he didn't make your list? Just not, uh, not interesting enough. No. Um, it was difficult to do five because I could, depending on how you think about it, I could put Darth Maul at number one for a lot of reasons, like specifically that, that change in him, the, the fact that he, um, that he developed this, uh, went from this sort of almost ruined thing or, or thing that didn't happen that they tried to this actually really deep, interesting villain um i could have put him at number one but i i don't know i i just i didn't i could do i could do a list of i could do five lists and change the numbers right (laughs) i hear you you know depending on how i look at it your cup runneth over with good villains from a certain point of view Mm -hmm. for every everyone's a villain from their own from a certain point of view (laughs) some better than others all right, All right well, well, that's, we... yeah, that's Graham cool. and my number three. So uh, ball lands back in your court, Joel. Well, my number two is Pong Krell. Really? 
Interesting. Uh, from from Clone Wars, uh, the Jedi Master turned bad guy, um, uh, all around just a jerk. He's a racist towards clones. Um, but the main thing that I thought was interesting was he foresaw the end of the Republic and he saw what was going to happen. And instead of wanting to stop that, like most people would have, or like the Jedi council was trying to do, he was like, Hey, Hey, let's, uh, I see where the wind's blowing. So let's uh, switch sides. So he, his deal was right. He wanted to become part of the new order. And I, his goal was to be Dooku's apprentice. Um, but he comes in and you kind of know right away that, that like something's off with him. He has very high casualties. Uh, they talk about how he's super successful though, but his like casualty rate um, is off. Uh, he, he's, extremely deceptive right he gets anakin to leave to go back to coruscant so he can take over the 501st and he has he tricks them into fighting the 212th on the on the planet was um i thought i wrote it is it umbara i think it is umbara yes it is um so and and it was a really good and and another thing that i like about villains is that they always have to they need a hero sometimes as well, right? And Rex had to really step up as a character and as like an individual outside of the outside of the clone to like go against the authority. And uh, <laughs> if you remember from from the episodes, uh, Dogma uh, was the um, was his, the the clone Dogma was always pretty much supporting. Krell to the point where the clones arrested them both. And in the end, it was Dogma who killed um who killed Krell, not not Rex. But uh it was just some powerful force stuff. And he had those badass dual double lightsabers, like oh, he was he was uh he was to me that's like that is a villain. He was he was slimy and you just you hate like you could just tell. And he was the same um species I, I cannot remember what they're called i thought i wrote it down but it was obi-wan's friend from episode two who he meets in the diner yeah <laughs> dexter, dexter 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 yeah and i hate and that I, diner so much <laughs> <laughs> apparently he's a basilisk basilisk right yeah like like from harry potter the basilisk no. <laughs> yeah a basilisk and uh i just thought it was really interesting because that changed the way that i saw the species because i'd only thought of him as this like sort of as the diner character. species exactly <laughs> exactly but he was nothing like that i didn't really even think about that this guy he was really strong i i he had really good force powers great lightsaber stuff going on and a jerk all around such he was, a he was jerk a bad guy such a great <laughs> jerk performance yeah that is a villain and and he brought out he in the, and he brought out some of the worst stuff in the clones uh but then he also caused these revelations and that's like a that's a good villain i remember i was almost a little disappointed when he turned out to be a villain like oh it co- was obvious from well, like the second he walked on screen i thought well it was too obvious kind of like it like I thought a more clever thing to do would have been just that he was like a bad hero. Like mm-hmm. he was a jerk and he was arrogant, but he could have still, and it was kind of up in the air for a while. It, get, it gets pretty obvious as the arc goes on. But like initially I just liked the thought of there being like a Jedi who just kind of sucks. Is he, so like what's uh Forrest Whitaker's character's name? Uh, Saw Guerrera. Yeah, yeah. So like that, like you were thinking him more like that, like a good guy who's just gone too far. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, instead, what they do is they very much make him a villain, but they make it that like this is a bad Jedi that we're not going to stop with another Jedi. Like it's up to the clones to figure it out, which is a cool new thing. Um, and just but and man, he is just everything about like the way he's written, the way he's performed. It just you hate him so yeah, they, much. They do really serve that up. I was trying to quickly find what season the episode was in. Uh, while you're looking for that, I just want to say I have not watched any of the Clone Wars series or, or very, very little. And you guys are making me want to check it out more than uh, than ever. There's, there's a lot of episodes. Not all of them are awesome. Some of them are awesome. Yes. And you have to watch it in the chronological order, not the. Yeah. yeah the first order. like up to like the first three seasons. They're all over the place. It was initial I, and- release was kind of a mess. The uh the latest season seven was not released in chronological order. I found out when I looked it up. I, I was I can't believe they did that again. <laughs> um, I can't find it. I'm, I'm looking at it. Does, it doesn't really matter. But the yeah. point is, I I feel like it was from earlier on when it it's, was more of a kids show. So the idea, like it wasn't meant to be multi layered. It was it was very black and white. This is not a good guy. Yeah, I, I mean, it looks like season four. I think I'm oh, finding well, the episodes. Okay. Uh, da, 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 da. Yeah, it's towards the towards the halfway point of season four. It looks like episodes eight, nine, ten, eleven. Okay, so that's not too too early. It's, Either it's way, deep in enough that they're starting to do arcs and not just like individual vignettes, which is definitely true. how the show opens. Um, yeah, but yeah, like he's just uh, he's such a jerk. Like, even even if it turned out that he was like still like on the good guy's side, just I, I just it's hmm, I'm over my first myself. My I'm losing my English. Like I just want to punch him in the face so much. That was that was my first line. Is just a jerk. Yeah. All right. Well, man, I, I'm really making me want to check him out. But I think we should move on. So I guess I guess to me. With my number two, which is Darth Vader. Uh, oh. Darth Darth Vader is is on my list as well, and he's not my number two. Okay, well so then, you go. I guess it's time we hear what your number two is. Yeah, so here's our first major stopping point, because I've got Thrawn at my number two. Ah, okay. So, Graham, you had Thrawn at your five, which yeah. I feel like is a buy, and Joel, you wanted to avoid him because you don't think he's a villain at all. You want to sign up? Join I the Chiss that, Ascendancy. Uh, again, that is, uh, that is, well, I, hey, the Chiss are fine, but <laughs> I did not necessarily say that. I said he was ambiguous. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, Sir. <laughs> we talk about Thrawn so often on this podcast. The basics is he's evil alien Sherlock Holmes. He has blue skin and red eyes. Where other Star Wars villains solve problems with force choking and laser guns, he solves problems with strategy and like clever deduction. Um, we go into a lot more detail in a lot more episodes, so... If you're looking for that, you can check out our earlier episode with Joel, which is basically half an hour of why Grand Admiral Thrawn is great. Um, If you don't want to do the research, it is the way we're seeing the Star Wars streaming products right now, Mandalorian and Ahsoka, and I think it's Rangers of the Republic. It looks like they're going to MCU into a shared event that's going to be about Grand Admiral Thrawn. So you'll see him on Disney Plus in the next few years. And like fingers crossed, it should be amazing. Instead, for this one, let's just talk real quick. Graham, why is he all the way down at your number five? Well, 
I, I think he's a great villain. I, I just, there's not a lot of personality to him. And, and I know that's intentional and, and it's part of what makes him an interesting villain. It's just hard for me to care about him. Like I, I'm more interested in the heroes and how they're impacted by him rather than anything in particular about him. Does that make sense? I, I suppose it does make sense. <laughs> I just disagree with it. It's interesting. Like I, I love like the, the following the machinations, right? I love following the trail of clues as he guides whoever the audience viewpoint is through it sort of step by step. I love seeing how like the plan comes together. And then of course it's unraveled by the heroes because he's a bad guy, but like, I love seeing the final end of his stuff. The, like the first Thrawn book ever where they're where they're testing oh it's either the first or the second and I feel embarrassed I don't know but where they're testing the cloaking <laughs> device and it doesn't really work but they don't explain to the reader why like like they've mounted the cloaking device on a freighter and they turn on the cloak and nothing happens and Thrawn checks his stuff and he's like okay great and you're left thinking what what how what's great what's going on and it turns out what's happened is that the, the way cloaking works in Star Wars some of the time, but not always. In Star Wars, it's not very consistent. But the way this cloak works is that it's two ways. You can't just Romulan Warbird it. If you're in the cloaking device, you can't see out of it, so you can't do that. But what he's done is he's cloaked the interiors of all these freighters and stuffed them full of TIE fighters and just floated them into the middle of the good guys' bases. And you don't, they don't tell you that you wait until a good guy's like all of a sudden they're TIE fighters pouring out of the ship. And like, there's always the one pilot or something who's like, that's weird. It looks like they're coming out of some sort of empty space in there. I don't get it. And you're reading the book going, oh man, that's what that meant. Like, I right. love that writing style. Like, I think that's really cool. He, and- he really did do really well with those, uh, those books. And I can't remember which one it is either, but. I remember more what he did with the asteroids too, with uh, and um, by cloaking asteroids and putting them in orbit around Coruscant to embargo it. But because he's a smart guy and cloaking is expensive, they just simulated. So there were some asteroids, but you know he he made the Republic think that he'd shot off 150 when he'd actually only sent 20. Yeah, right. Yeah. right. I remember that. It's oh, a, it, that is good. That's a cool plan. Now, I will grant you, like all good villains, he has been over, like, overused. Mm. There's now a lot of Thrawn, like, prequel material, and, like, Thrawn meets Anakin Skywalker, and, you know, here's what Thrawn was like when he was a little kid, like that Patton Oswald bit. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's gotten kind of tired, and even, like, it's the original author still, it's still Timothy Zahn, but his new Thrawn stuff is really reaching for relevancy. It it I and I I read at least the first. Which was the Vader one? Was that the second or third of the new? Uh, it wasn't um, the third one, so it was either the first or the second. Okay, it was the second then, because I I read the first two, and uh, yeah, they were fine. But uh, uh, you're 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 right. They just they they have sort of overused him to a certain, and I feel like they've almost nerfed him a little bit. Well, they've, I mean, like, this goes into why he's not on your list, Joel. Like, the original Grand Admiral Thrawn was very clear. He's like, I'm going to conquer the galaxy. That is my goal. I am a bad guy. 
this new Thrawn, it's like, well, you love him so much, so he has to be sympathetic. So it's like he kind of has his own goals and he's ruthless, but maybe you know he's a bad guy, but he's not a bad guy. And I, I feel like that's kind of taken away from like it's it's taken away some of his mojo. Well, and and they 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 did have that good scene where they were um he in I think it was maybe the third one then and he was uh confronting he basically gave an envelope with a letter to his colonel lady first officer I cannot remember any of the names um <laughs> and said that this is how you're going to deal with this guy he's going to do this in this step you're going to fire one volley of uh, turbo lasers at this time, another volley of turbo lasers at this time, and it was the way to like beat the four star destroyers. Right, right, yeah, that was the third book. Yeah, that was a th- yeah the new and third book. Exactly, and uh, now that to me was the first time that I really kind of felt the tactics of the original Thrawn, because that cloaking thing with the um with 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 the Tie Fighters or the A Wing, there there was something where they would fly in front of torpedoes and then bank away. It was like the first time I really felt the, that tactical thing that I got from the original books. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, so I, I guess, guess Timothy Zahn only has so many of those in him. Yeah. I guess what Kevin we're J. Anderson. is that we agree with you, Graham, that we like, he, d- he doesn't have that in-depth of character, but the thing that we love about him is the plots. Right. Yeah. And the performance is excellent. It's okay. in, yeah, in rep, he's like, well, I mean, to be, if you want to be a big dork about it, somebody plays him in the original TIE Fighter computer game. Oh, yeah, that's where I know him from. Yeah. But uh, yeah, his, but the performance, it's Lars Mickelson plays him on Star Wars Rebels yeah. and Mads's uh, brother. Yeah. That family's all over Star Wars now. Yeah. yeah. And it's when, the voice acting is, is phenomenal. He does a very good job of the character, just it almost like a Spock performance where he's calm and cool and logical, but also sinister. Like it's, uh, I, I kinda hope that Lars plays him in uh in where whenever he shows up in live action. It that is. would be an interesting uh discussion. Top five picks for live action Thrawn actors. <laughs> That's a tough call. Mm-hmm. Anyway, di- we agree to disagree. Um, we love Thrawn. You're not as impressed. That's not going to change. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I guess I think now we're going to Joel's number Which one. Which is a total surprise, so everybody brace yourself. <laughs> yeah. My number one is Willif Tarkin. Yeah. It's my number Man. five, and not appearing at all on Graham's list. Uh, no, well, I thought about it, but... I just have to say before we get before, Joel, I want you to take the lead on this. But along with uh, Emperor Palpatine's first name, Willif and and Sheev, man, Sheev. George Lucas dropped the ball on some of these first names. And Akbar is like Gael. He can get away with having an alien name. Well, I mean, it's just of all the things. I, I felt it was unnecessary. Is my is hmm. my deal? We don't need. To, we never. We don't know what Spock's first name is. We never. We've been fine with that for fifty years. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Tarkin, right? As we know, he he did have that book, so he he uh, he kind of got a little bit of fleshing out as well in canon. Um, brought up on Aradu in the Seswana sector, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's just super, super privileged. Like he's that, he's like the, 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 the white rich male of 
Star Wars. Um, he believed that the strong control the weak, imposing power, the, the, Tar- the Tarkin doctrine, if we recall, is just overwhelming power. Uh, he's an opportunist, though, and we, we think about how in Rebels, when he was there, he was actually a big supporter of the Defender Project, right? And he got Thrawn the uh, meeting with the Emperor to make his case to to get his uh, to make sure that he had the funding over uh, Krennic for for the Stardust Project, yeah, for the Rogue One tie-in, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but then when he sees well, you know what, the winds are going uh, the Death Star way. He not only fully supports it, he then takes command of it from himself away from Krennic and then just decides to show off by testing it by showing uh, by, by blowing up Alderaan, which is just super cold. So that's pretty villainy. Um, and he also had that great hubris. Uh, he barely did anything to stop the rebels from attacking it was all like oh 30 rebel ships whatever launch one squadron of ties like and shoot some turbo lasers at them and even at the very end when he's like evacuated our moment of triumph i think you overestimate their abilities or their chances um and as i was researching him this was very interesting. There was a story that came out about him uh, as part of this anthology um, called of MSE-6 and Men. And it was about a, it was 40 short stories that were all put together in a, um, a from of various Star Wars things told from perspectives of background characters. So this story was about the, uh, the mouse droid that Chewbacca screams at. And, <laughs> Everything and on away. Star Wars screen needs to have its own story, right? Yes. So this is about his story. And, and, it, and apparently, according to this story, Tarkin had a relationship with one of the stormtroopers on the Death Star. I am not making oh. this up. I found this out in, as I was reading up on my Tarkin uh, on Wikipedia. And um, <clears throat> the stormtrooper was none other than TK421. <laughs> I mean, I'm finding some of this of questionable canonicity, <laughs> but all right. Uh, the story's from 2017, um, the books that oh, came man. out. Yeah, so it's not, it is, it is a recent, uh, it is post-Disney owning everything. Hmm. And um, the, so... And, and and basically the end the, the way that it ends is uh Tarkin has this also relationship with the droid, like they're friends and he talks to it. And um he, the whole plan was he was going to go back to Coruscant and take TK421 with him as his personal guard, and they were gonna live a happy life together. <laughs> um It's kind of beautiful. It, it is, but uh it kind of doesn't suit the character. No, it does not, but I decided <laughs> that at that point he had to be my number one because <laughs> because he but had I a really, love affair with a stormtrooper. He he was super cold though. I, I I and I and I did really think about this because you've got Vader and you've got Palpatine and you've got but they they had this doctrine but like they were religious zealots to a certain extent right with the Force. Tarkin just was cold and it was like well I could blow up down to him but that's not going to make an effort so let's just blow up Alderaan. It was like it was a core world. It was. It was. Uh, it wasn't just like some backwater place, and just blink of an eye. Yeah, I mean, I I didn't have him as high as you, I guess, because I wasn't as entertained by the the stormtrooper love affair. Um, 
But yeah, having him as, I think Grand Moff Tarkin is the prototype of the Imperial officer, like of, of the why this government has to be resisted as the, you know, the one percenter without a soul. Um, and he carries that, like a lot of that is Peter Cushing, who apparently was a real sweetheart on the uh, set. Which yes, is just- and Carrie Fisher had trouble... Uh- acting with him because he was just so darling yeah it's hard to picture but like he commands a lot of attention in a new hope like a new hope is a very indie kind of movie you know like it's and there are very clear differences between the acting chops of people like alec guinness and peter cushing than there are of young mark hamill and carrie fisher like they they come across very differently tarkin i think is single-handedly responsible for our like what we picture the empire to be and what all subsequent imperial officers are of the like the english colonial era you know old white assertive power and he channels that so well every time he appears even after his death in in rogue one uh, which is I, impressive but like i read that he read for, or they had him in mind for obi-wan peter cushing I'd, that would be originally, cool. but then they felt that just he didn't suit the role, and they thought, you know what, he lo- he's at- he makes a better evil guy, <laughs> but a good friend does. of Alec Guinness. Now, I also i i didn't have him all the way up at my number one because in the end, like he's so one note that it comes to bite him in the ass, right? Like he, like all he had to do was think outside the box for a fraction of a second, but nope, his character is to be old and powerful and stodgy and immovable, and it got him blown up. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting if if the franchise had ended with that first movie, he would be the villain of that movie. Vader is very much his henchman. Yeah, Vader and- works for him, not the other way around. Yeah, so you know he's. If you think about it from that perspective, he's he's a really important character and, and they flesh him out a lot more, like bring him back and, and use him to greater potential, I guess, in, in some ways in, in later things, or at least they they pepper him in other things just to make him be more consequential because, you know, he dies in that, that movie, he doesn't get a chance to shine again in the later ones. But right, right. But yeah, Captain Tarkin shows up in the Clone Wars and he's as a couple of times as he makes his way up and he has his own book or two it's uh, I, and i did enjoy tarkin uh i i read that and mm-hmm. uh i thought they did a they gave him a pretty good background like he he there was this uh family tradition or it's some sort of tradition on iradu where you have to go up to this summit of this like peak and survive there and there's wild animals i think it was like carrion spire and you'd spend the night there and uh it's all about building characters so the whole thing was like this really hard rugged life and that was a little bit different than how i imagined him in a new hope sort of stodgy desk jockey like never actually getting doing physics something physically hard but then the the background they set up for him in this was actually very much like that and he has scars all over his body from all of these uh uh things that he's done throughout his life so he, he he's just very he became a lot more interesting to me uh more recently than he was in the original movies yeah, it's it's fun to note that that story is also presented in the lens of child abuse 
like he he does come from a stodgy rich family and they have this insane tradition of abandoning their children in the wilderness to see if they survive or not like like we like his and his family read as cold as the adult tarkin character is right like they're mm-hmm. all these completely emotionless heartless just like I think Mon Mothma describes him in a in an episode where she says he's like a he's a, he's a heartless skeleton like only held up by the stiffness of his uniform. Like, Perfect. Yeah, <laughs> like there's there's no person yeah. there. There's there, there's there's like there's no human being in there. There's just this iron will to dominate. And he didn't directly, you know, chop down a bunch of younglings like. Anakin and Darth Vader, but um, he did blow up a planet. Yeah, he does just com- completely unnecessarily, like just to make a point. You may file when ready. Too far away. Yeah, you may file when. Yeah, no, that was he. I, that, yeah, no, he was. This is a villain. If it was, <clears throat> if I, if we were doing a top five adversary list, I think, I don't think any of these people would be on it. But he's a villain for sure. Yeah, for for the way that I sort of decided to define it for my list. Interesting. Okay, so uh, my number one is, I can't believe no one else is, uh, well, I mean, I can believe it. I, I It may be a controversial number one. I, I'm going with Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren? <laughs> That's going to be controversial. Of the Knights of Ren? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that Kylo Ren. Ben Solo? Ben Solo, yeah, that's correct. <laughs> that's a good pick, I like that. all right well i i i won't dwell on it too long he's he's a to me he's a a great villain because he's so different from typical number one villains in in any of these big blockbusters that come out he's the reason a lot of people dislike him is because he's like whiny and petulant and spoiled and that's why I think he's a great villain. He's like completely unlikable, smoldering, sure, <laughs> but personality-wise, he's awful. And the things he does are awful. And and he doesn't do anything, at least in the first couple of movies with him, as as awful as destroy entire planets or or eradicate you know whole peoples. He's not genocidal like some of the other villains on the list. But the people he does kill are the people that, that are closest to our hearts. Like, like I don't think there's, there's very few moments in, in movies where I've like gasped and like turned in my seat. But when he kills Han Solo in force awakens, I was so shocked and so devastated in that moment. And like, I can't think of another villain in this franchise that has had that effect on me. And, and, he is utterly unlikable. And and I think that's also kind of rare in Star Wars villains. They're all either cool or, you know, respectable or whatever. He's awful. And that makes him the number one villain for me. Respect. Thank you. I was I, I got no, caught I up kind thinking of, about Han. Yeah. That was rough. And I kind of, you know, I kind of sidestepped Rise of Skywalker because, you know. It's he, yeah. He's in a completely different character in Rise of Skywalker, and that's yeah. and that's fine. Um, I mean, he, he also kills Luke, which sort of indirectly, but he he is the reason Luke dies in uh, the the second one. I, I'd argue that that's that was Luke's decision, but 
I think that all in all, those those movies were peculiar. I was a big defender and a fan of them up until Rise of Skywalker, and it kind of uh, the failure of that movie kind of has echoed back into the previous ones a bit for me because it all felt like it was building to something, and it really wasn't. There was no plan. It was. And the ending really dropped the ball. And and anyway, that's a conversation for another episode. Yeah, Kylo Ren, my favorite villain. I mean, I don't. I'm pretty Kylo Ren neutral. I know that there are a lot of people who can't stand him. I do think that's a facetious argument because it seems like most of the people who can't stand him don't like him because he's not Darth Vader. And I think that's that like that's a flaw. We already have a character that like Darth Vader. He's called Darth Vader. He's in the other six movies, um, <laughs> you know. And, like, and I do think I think the fact that he isn't Darth Vader, but is desperately trying to be, also makes him so much more interesting. I, I do like that, and I do like how like that's how the First Order is portrayed in those movies. That they're you know they're not Nazis. They're neo Nazis. Mm, they're that's interesting. Uh, yeah, <laughs> they're like they're the young people today who feel isolated and rejected and are falling back on this. You know, like they're the young kids in Germany who sk- like who shave their heads and give the Sigheil. Like and they're and they're not uh, and and forget that it demonstrably doesn't work. It's, yeah, it's, and and again, until Rise of Skywalker ruined that when they had the the old man take over for Hux. Uh, you know, they, it was just a bad remake of that Star Trek episode um, where they find the Nazi planet. I mean, yeah. you have to narrow it down. Star Trek fights the Nazis a couple of times. <laughs> no, no, they where where they in the original series. Okay, <laughs> yeah, uh, they do. Oh, uh, anyway, yeah, I guess that's yes. it, it, in the weeds. Um, <laughs> it's just, geez, <laughs> yeah. Top five Star Trek Nazi episodes. We could do that. There are at least five. I think we can uh, all agree that they're bad. Nazis? Yes. yes. <laughs> we should get that out there. Just yeah, to be clear, we're... Geek Top 5's yeah. official position on Nazis <laughs> is that they are bad. Yeah. Um, but no, like, I, what, but Kylo Ren focused, like, I do, like, I think that argument against him doesn't make sense. I do think that's what they were going for. Um, I also think that Kylo Ren suffers a little because of the, the meteoric empowerment of Rey. Like, it's I understand why they did it for her character is because she's they're positioning her to be the new Luke Skywalker. But as a result, when we see Kylo Ren most like like no one is intimidated by Kylo Ren and no one is defeated by Kylo Ren, right? Like he always comes led to Han Solo. Yeah, but Han yeah. Solo isn't <laughs> defeated by Kylo Ren, you know, like like, like Kylo Ren screwed that up, and then in Rise of Skywalker, and that really awkward "is he a ghost or isn't he?" scene, he sort of apologizes and regrets it. Like it's like people's yeah. reaction to Kylo Ren is exactly that: is that he's like what a whiny baby, but he's a dangerous whiny baby, and it makes him hard to love. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I, I and you I like that. Like that. Yeah. Uh, but I, 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 as an audience member, found it difficult to love him because of that. And I mean, some of his performances, like the, the Snoke's throne room stuff, is phenomenal. That's some of my favorite Star Wars. Period. But on the whole, it is difficult to it is it, it just it's difficult to rank him up there with the greats for me. That's fair. I respect your choice. Uh, it was very bold, much Thank like you. Darth Xana. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, that's who I, I, I try to emulate in my day-to-day. <laughs> All right, well, let's uh, move on uh, to the grandfather of Kylo Ren. Yeah, I, I my number one, I, I had to put Darth Vader, and I almost felt like a sellout doing it, but I think it's Difficult to argue that Darth Vader isn't the greatest villain of all time. So you admit it's possible. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and if we want to do it, we can do it. We've still got time in this episode. But at the end of the day, Darth Vader, even after all the new stuff they've piled onto him since the classic trilogy... The, like, the look, the sound, the presentation, the actions, everything about... like If you need to establish a character as a bad guy, you find a way to compare him to Darth Vader, right? Whether it's the like, a black cape or whether it's a deep voice, like I think he sets the template for villain. And he, I, he's a great villain, and I won't will not argue against his inclusion. He's in my number two. He's fantastic, but he's especially in the first movie. Well, yeah, especially in the first movie, he's sort of one note. He's a thug and he, he develops more as the franchise goes on and they, they make him a much more domineering figure, but uh, he's, he's got an excellent presence. You're right. Like that, that moment that you first see him in a new hope like there's a reason that so many kids stop watching the movie at that point because he's too frightening just at the sight of him. That is a sign of a great villain. But the more you watch it, for me anyway, the more he is a lot of like bluster and and not a lot of action. I don't know. I think in the like in a new hope he's like he does seem like he, he he's playing the role of Tarkin's like junkyard dog. But then they leave you with the questions, like, what the hell is he doing that's choking people with invisible magic, right? Like, what is up with his laser sword? Like, where does that come from? What's up with that? Like, there's, there's, like they add some mystery to him and then very clearly show, like, even if, like, even if this never took off as a franchise, he gets away. Yeah. Right. He leaves the battle. Like he's like, he's not done. We're going to see Darth Vader again. Like, like there, there is something about him in that movie. Even if you don't know any of the other stuff, even if you haven't seen any of the things, he stands on his own. When, when they're like, when they're going into the trenches and like, boy, what should we do? Darth Vader's like, I'm getting on my plane and I'm going to go shoot them down. Like you all sit around this table and talk about it. I'm going out to work. And he does, and he goes up there and kills everybody. Okay, I want to hear Joel's thoughts. I can't uh, argue with any of it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, yes, I, I could have chosen him very easily. Um, but I mean, he is a perfect villain. I, I, I agree with that, almost too perfect. It was like, eh, I can't choose Thrawn and I can't choose Darth Vader because it's like, of course I wanted to. So I, that's sort of why I went with that, but I just remember watching the, the special, the um, AFI's, you know, American film Institute, they did those specials on TV and uh, they did their hundred heroes and villains. And I think that like they ranked uh, Darth Vader was number three overall, like of everything uh, as the greatest villain in cinema of, and, and he really is for all the reasons that you said. It, not, not not great podcast material, and we all agree. Frankly, like it's, I, I don't well, know that we, I don't know that there's any special insights we have into the character that no one else would have already. 
Like he's certainly been done to death. I'll certainly like, say that I, I really like what they did with him in Rebels. Yeah. Um, I liked being because we kind of got to see him at his full power. Which, yeah, that's always a pleasure. You know, like when he when they think they um they think they defeat him because they drop the ATST on him and then he just like lifts it up uh, with the force and tosses it away and we sort of get to see him more in his prime than we did before. So I, I really liked that. And, and also from Rebels, the, the season after that is where he has the showdown with Ahsoka. Yes. Which I think that oh. duel is the first time they really have succeeded in blending the characters of Darth Vader and Anakin Skywalker. Yes. Um, I think the prequels do not do a good job of establishing that Anakin Skywalker turns into Darth Vader. I don't buy it. Whether it's the writing, whether it's the performance, what have you, you know, complaining about the prequels has been done to death. But <laughs> I do not see that. And uh, the cartoons help with that a lot. Clone Wars helps make Anakin a much more interesting character, and that's there. But that arc continuing into Rebels and having you know Darth Vader's past as Anakin directly staring him down at that moment the arc between those two characters is complete, right? You know, the circle is now complete. <laughs> Once he was with the learning out of the master, yada, yada, yada. Uh, besides being an incredibly emotional moment, like that moment for that character, ah, oh, just works so well. And, and it was there- something... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, please. I would say it was something about... Because about how that really tied it together for me. Um, it's like Because I'm, I'm emphatically agreeing with you. Um because his mask is damaged and it's, and you see Anakin's face that we've come to know through the clone wars. And I, it, it, for that, that was the first time it really hit me that they were the same characters. And, and it kind of made me feel like I did as a child seeing it as like a, I think I probably, I think I was probably eight or nine when I first saw star Wars. I hear you. And then there's just so many cool moments out of comic books, out of video games, out of stuff like it's always cool to see him. He he makes a surprise appearance at the end of the the recent uh the the oh, what's it called? Jedi Fallen Order, I think was the the one, yeah. the Dark Souls one. Yeah, there's a surprise appearance by Darth Vader and they do it in a wonderful way where like he appears very dramatically in a cutscene. I won't spoil that, but then it goes into a, a battle. And like his health bar appears and you think, oh, crap, I'm going to fight Darth Vader. This is going to be awesome. And you take one swing and then it goes back into a cutscene where he just like force lifts you up and pulls away the saber. <laughs> it's like, no, <laughs> you are a tertiary character in this franchise. This is Darth Vader. <laughs> Run. I'm going to be a bad fan for a second. When did um, Twilight of the Apprentice came out before or after? after rogue one so you're, you're saying like which came first the duel with ahsoka or the hallway scene yeah because i was trying to think as i was like oh that whole thing that i said about where it really connected all of a sudden i was like no no that was that was a really good powerful darth vader scene <laughs> that was a cool uh, that, i mean that was a powerful darth vader scene yeah but i mean at that point well yeah no that that was a lot of and fun. then with mandalorian right with luke doing basically the same thing that rhyming that george <laughs> lucas is always talking about yeah uh, I think Rogue One uh, that, was 2016. Uh, Twilight of the Apprentice was 2015. Okay, okay. Yeah, so that comes first. Wow. Well, you know, I agree with all of you. I could, I could, I could, I could 
have either of your top ones as my as my top one. I could I can I can argue it and I can see it from your point of view. <laughs> there you go. So I will cling to that truth. All right. Well, any other thoughts before we wrap this up? I think I think we've said it all. I mean, I I feel like it's a it's interesting to me that that none of us had Emperor Palpatine or Darth Sidious on the the list. Oh, and I thought about it. I thought about it. He was on. He was. I was going to go really vanilla, and I was going to say, "Wow, I like uh, Palpatine. I like Vader. Uh, I like Maul. I like now. Wow, but but Maul is vanilla. I, I don't want to. I don't want to like." No, like, no, vanilla no. Vanilla is fine. Vanilla is a tasty flavor. Oh, actually, I was having this discussion recently. Yes, I don't know why vanilla is used to say something's boring. Vanilla is complex and deep. But um, it's, I just meant that, like, I wanted to go with something that I wouldn't have normally thought about and uh, go from the, that, that I tried to do this theme of, like, they all had this one sort of, thing of hubris in them and they didn't necessarily have redeemable qualities to them. like that was my thing with Thrawn because as much as I think about him I'm like ah I could see them redeeming him somehow or being a sometime sometimes friend going forward so it's that adversary thing but uh yeah I don't I mean I hmm, like this goes back to kind of what I was talking about with Goto and KOTOR 2 is I think Star Wars is at its best when it's not Shades of Grey. That's true. I mean, redemption is a big thing. It happens a lot in Star Wars. But I think one of the, the what makes the franchise kind of joyful in a way is that it's most of the time it's very clear uh, the line between good guys and bad guys. And that's kind of I think that's what it does best and frankly is kind of refreshing compared to a lot of media like the anti-hero is so big. All the time, like anytime you see a brooding guy, but he's got a cool sword or whatever, it's like, okay, the heroes aren't going to be fighting this guy for like it's Green Ranger syndrome. <laughs> like that's a, that's your perfect example. The Green Ranger is the coolest ranger, and he has his cool like gold vest and his his own sword. It comes from a flute that sounds like a trumpet. That's also a dagger, and then he becomes a good guy. <laughs> well, I was always I I, I was using uh, in my mind Gal Dukat. Uh, mm. as somebody who I think of like as a quintessential villain, I almost want to like that AFI. I think that Gul Dukat's one of the best uh, thing. Now this is not the Star Trek villains podcast, but I did keep him in mind because he's so ambiguous and it's because he thinks of himself as the hero. He is like, he's such a good anti-hero. I guess that makes him the anti-hero, but I tried to, I don't know. It was uh, I wanted to put Gal Dukat on my list because I just wanted to be like, he's that good. He's that good. <laughs> I'm sure somebody has photoshopped him with a lightsaber at some point. Oh, ah, well. In any case, Joel, <laughs> thank you so much for joining oh, us. It's well, thank always you for having awesome. me again. You have more Star Wars dorks on the show. Uh, it makes me feel popular. So there's that. And uh, while we're giving out thanks, uh, I'd be remiss not to mention Jamie Reum, the guy behind our theme song. Uh, thanks to him for that as well. Uh, please check out his stuff. He's at Jamie Reum Official and Jamie underscore Reum on YouTube and Instagram, respectively. He's a music geek, a performer, does some pretty cool stuff. And thank you. We, uh, I mean, you guys have shown incredible support for us recently. Um, we're doing the episodes that you want. Like you're sending us your requests. We're taking a look at it. It, uh, you made me watch. You know, you made me talk about Wandavision twice. <laughs> There's, I mean, like I've been. 
being facetious, but like we love that you love this and we would love to hear from you and to see what you want to hear next on the show. Uh, Graham, how can they get that stuff to us? Please email us at geektop5 at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash geektop5, and we're on Twitter at geektop5. It is the week of May the 4th, or it just was by the time you've heard this. There is so much Star Wars stuff going on. At the latest are the, is the new Clone Wars spinoff show, Bad Batch, that's now available on Disney+. Plus. And uh, look, I'm not going to tell you to go watch Star Wars. If you're listening to this show, you've seen it. It's, it's not a big deal. But it's there, and it will keep you busy uh, until we get a chance to do this again. And until then, I'm Jesse. I'm Graham. And this has been Geek Top 5. We'll talk to you again next week. <laughs>